When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Welcome to the MLB Daily Podcast. I'm Brandon Karam, alongside Belly Up Sports beat writer LJ LaFiora, and we are a Belly Up Sports podcast. Uh, LJ, how are we doing today? We are doing just fine. We are proud to be your one-stop shop for daily baseball content, and we are excited to talk about this day throughout baseball. Brandon, it was a really Quite a few very interesting matchups, some tight matchups, and I'm excited to get through it. Absolutely. Uh, just a little uh, agenda for today's show. We're going to do the game recaps and then um, not really a lot to talk about. So we're going to go over all of the notable guys who are on the IL at the current current moment and sort of break down what the injury situation across the league is looking like. But uh, I'll start with two games as I have the National League game this week. So, uh, yeah, let's start with it, with the Milwaukee Brewers and the San Diego Padres. The Padres score first on a Trent Grisham single in the third inning. The, the Brewers would tie it on a Jace Peterson single. San Diego would get a run in the fifth on a ground out by Victor Caratini. The, the Brewers would pull away in the sixth on home runs from Omar Narvaez and Jace Peterson to win 4-2. to two. Give the win to Brent Suter, who's now 1-1. One one. He goes one in the third inning, striking out all four batters. Give the loss to Keone Kayla, who is now 2-1 and one on the year. 
He goes one inning, allowing two hits and three earned runs. The save goes to Josh Hader. That's his third on the year. The, the Brewers are now 11-7, and seven, and the Padres fall to 500 at 10-10. and 10. The Brewers are off today and start a series against the Cubs in Chicago on Friday. The Padres start another series with the Dodgers. It will be Ryan Weathers taking on Walker Bueller. The second game that I'm going to talk about is the Astros and the Rockies. A Trevor Story double made it 2-0 Colorado after the first inning. In the top of the second, Yuli Gurriel homered to make it tied 2-2. In the bottom half of the inning, Jonathan Daza went yard and Dom Nunez singled to make it 4-2 Rockies. Another hit from Dom Nunez, a double, put the game out of reach and it would be a 6-3 win for Colorado. Give the win to Austin Gomber, who's now one and two on the year. He goes six innings, allowing two hits, two runs, striking out six. The loss goes to Jose Urquidy, who's now 0-2 on the year. He goes five innings, allowing six hits and four runs. The Rockies now improved to six and twelve. The Astros are seven and ten and have lost nine out of their last ten games. The Rockies are off today and play against the Phillies Friday. The Astros host the Angels today, and it'll be Alex Cobb taking on Christian Javier. All right, next up, we've got the Twins and the A's. It was a fairly close game throughout, with neither team getting ahead more than three runs. Six homers also went out in the first nine, the longest being 422 feet for Nelson Cruz, his first of two in the game. Down one in the ninth, Matt Chapman hit a sack fly to send for Oakland to send the game to extras. In the top of the 10th, Byron Buxton went yard, 421 feet to put Minnesota up two. In the bottom of the inning, disaster struck. Brandon, there was calamity in Oakland. Two errors by the Twins allowed the A's to walk it off with three runs on zero hits. Give the win to Diolis Guerrera, lost to Alex Colome. Neither Frankie Montas nor Kenta Maeda lasted more than four innings, giving up six runs and seven runs, respectively. LJ, this is an absolutely uh, remarkable winning streak that Oakland is on now. That's 11 in a row, and the fact, the, the way that they win today, uh, I'm sure you saw that error, that, that there are those two errors that the Twins made. It was just crazy. Oh, yeah. I mean, you really have to worry for twins if you're a twins fan with stuff like this because this certainly isn't the first time that they've shown flaws defensively throughout this season i mean unless you've seen something different if you can't close out games cleanly then you're going to have a lot of trouble winning the important games down the stretch especially if you want to make a postseason run in a al that seems to be as wide open as ever and this game, uh, I'm pretty sure it was the highest scoring game of the year so far, uh, 13 to 12. That's got to be pretty close, right? It's going to be up there. Wasn't there another one a couple, like, last week with uh, – I swear one of the Cincinnati ones early got up there. Yeah, they, they, they scored quite a bit. But I think combined between two teams, this has got to be up there. 25 runs is – a lot. Yeah, I'm surprised that uh, 
both both starters got knocked out early uh, with in being Kenta Maeda and Frankie Montas. But uh, yeah, Oakland survives once again, and uh, they've won 11 in a row. So uh, this is shades of uh, the 2002 a Moneyball season, I guess. You could say that. I mean, it certainly makes you more comfortable. I mean, this is what the A's is won't necessarily look like this, but they're showing signs of what made me feel more comfortable with them than anyone else in that division. Once they level out and show that consistency, then people will really feel like it's an Oakland team of old. All right. Uh on to two two double headers, so LJ and I will split these right down the middle. The first game of the Reds and the Diamondbacks was a continuation of a game that was suspended on Tuesday night. Um, it got suspended in the eighth inning due to rain, and this was just a continuation of it. But starting from the beginning of this game, it was the Diamondbacks who put up a three spot in the first inning thanks to hits from as Drupal Cabrera and uh, David Peralta. The Reds would score four unanswered over the next four innings to take a four to three lead. Kyle Farmer's single and home run drove in three of, the, of those runs. In the top of the eighth, Andrew Young homered and Carson Kelly walked to make it 5-4 Diamondbacks, and that would be your final. Give the win to J.B. Bukowskis, who's now 1-0 on the year. He pitches uh, only to one batter, and he, he gets the win. The loss goes to Amir Garrett, who's now 0-1 on the year. He goes a third of an inning, allowing a hit and a run. Give the save to Stefan Kritschner. All right. In the Pirates and Tigers, despite scoring first and last, the Tigers could not stave off a three-run fourth by the Pirates, who won 3-2. to two. Give the win to Tyler Anderson. He went five innings, allowing runner and run and seven strikeouts. The loss will be given to Michael Fulmer. He went four innings, allowing three earned runs. The save will be given to Richard Rodriguez, his second on the season. All right, Reds and D-backs, game two. The Reds led by three going into the ninth inning uh, prior to a Josh Van Meter when he stepped up and tied the game for the, the Diamondbacks with a three-run home run to force extra innings. In the top of the 10th, the, the Diamondbacks will put up five runs, those coming from a fielder's choice, a hit-by-pitch, a wild pitch, and then a, finally a single from Wyatt Madison. The Reds would score two in the bottom of the 10th on hits from Alex Blandino and Tyler Naquin, but they lose this one eight to five and uh, both games of this, uh, I guess you could call it a mini doubleheader. Give the win to Taylor Clark, who uh, is now one and all on the year. He goes two innings on three hits, one earned and striking out one. The loss goes to CNL Perez, who's now one and two on the year. He goes a third of an inning, allowing no hits and two earned. Even though this was a, a doubleheader, they still played nine innings in this one just because they only had to finish about an inning and a half in that first game uh, today. The Diamondbacks are now eight and 10. The Reds are nine and eight. These two play uh, today at 1235. 
as it's Taylor Widener going for Arizona, and he'll be taking on Jeff Hoffman. Now in the second game of the Pirates-Tigers series, down one nothing, Nico marched to the beat of his Goodrum and sent a ball 391 feet for four bases in a tie game. The Tigers added three more in the fifth with a Jonathan Scope homer and a Keel double and a single by Castro. They took the game five to two. Give the win to Spencer Turnbull, who went five innings of one earned run ball and the loss to Miguel Yahur who went four and a third of an inning, allowing four earned runs. So they split the doubleheader today. On to the Giants and Phillies. Mickey Moniak, who was the first pick in the 2016 uh, MLB draft, he gave the, the Phillies a 3-0 lead with a home run in the second inning. The Giants would tie the game at four in the seventh on a on a Darren Ruff home run, though. Alex Dickerson would then single to give the Giants a five to four lead. In the bottom of the seventh, Bryce Harper goes yard and he ties the game back up at five. Still tied in the bottom of the ninth, Andrew Knapp would come through with a walk-off single for the Phillies to win six to five. Give the win to Hector Neris, who's now one and one on the year. He goes one inning, striking out two batters. The loss goes to Wandy Peralta out of the Giants' bullpen. He goes one-third of an inning, allowing two hits and one run. The Phillies move up to 500, and they're now 9-9. Nine and nine. The Giants fall to 11-7. and seven. The Phillies have today off, and they will travel to Colorado Friday. The Giants host the Marlins today. It will be uh, Daniel Daniel Castano taking on Aaron Sanchez. Over to the Rangers and the Angels. Following the hardest hit home run of Mike Trout's career last night, clocking at 115 miles per hour for his exit velocity, we saw yet another home run at Trout in the first inning. This one on a 384-foot homer. Otani and Justin Upton also homered in the third and fourth innings, and just like that, the Rangers found themselves down 3-1. to one. It was then that Lau and Garcia had balls leave the yard, leading six unanswered runs for Texas. Jose Iglesias added a long ball late, but the Angels fell 7-4. to four. Give the win to John King, the loss to Mike Mayers. Jose Quintana went five innings, allowing one earned run and striking out eight batters, while Mike Fultonevich had six innings of three earned run ball and six strikeouts. On to the Cardinals and the Nationals. This game was decided on an Alex Avila double in the second that gave the Nats a 1-0 lead, and that would be the only scoring in this one. Give the win to Max Scherzer, who looked dominant the entire day. Six innings, allowing... Four hits, no runs, and striking out nine. He gets his first win on the year. He's now one and one. The loss goes to Carlos Martinez, who falls to 0 and 4. A rough start for him, but this was, uh, you know, me and LJ the last few days have been talking about starters who uh, have kind of gotten the short end of the stick with a loss. That's Carlos Martinez here. He goes six innings long, four hits, one run, uh, and three Ks. Give the save to Brad Hand. That's his third on the year for Washington. 
The Nats improved to nine uh, to seven and nine. The Cardinals fall to eight and ten. Both teams are off today, with Washington starting a series in New York against the Mets on Friday. And then also on Friday, the Cardinals start a series. Uh, they'll be hosting the Reds. Is it terrible that I don't feel bad for Carlos Martinez? Like, I've had a lot of empathy for a lot of other starters that have put up good numbers. But I think this kind of falls into my area of toss-up, of mass start, purely because of the three strikeouts. That, I think, is incredibly glaring to me, just because you can go six innings. If you can't get above five strikeouts, then that means you're relying on your defense to make plays a lot. And it's not as much of, I don't feel nearly as bad for him as other guys who the majority of people are going that go six innings seem to be able to make it f- to five or six strikeouts at least. So, I mean, certainly not a bad performance, but I'm not going to feel terrible with him, especially if he went into the game with an 0-3 record. Very fair. Uh, the Rays and the Royals now. Tampa got out as far as a three-run lead before Kansas City came rallying back, outscoring Tampa 6-2 to two with some help from Carlos Santana's fourth homer of the year, the final 9-8 to eight Kansas City. Give the win to Scott Barlow, the loss to Diego Castillo. Jake Junis went to, went, I'm sorry, <clears throat> went five innings allowing five earned runs, and Michael Waka went five and two-thirds of an inning allowing three earned runs for the Tampa Bay Rays. On to the Braves and the Yankees. After a scoreless first four innings, the Braves would score two on an airy Adrianza sack fly and then a bases loaded walk to Marcelo Zuna. So it was 2-0 Braves after five innings. The Braves would go on to score two more runs in the game on a ground out and then a solo home run by Austin Riley. The Yankees' offensive struggles continue as they only are able to to, uh, get one run and five hits on the board in the 4-1 loss. Give the win to Ian Anderson, podcast favorite. uh, Guy LJ and I got the soft pitch uh, in high school and have been uh, following him along. And let me say, as a Yankees fan, very cool to watch someone that I watched pitch in high school absolutely mow us down tonight. Six and two-thirds, four hits, no runs, and four strikeouts. Uh, he's 1-0 and on the year. The loss goes to Corey Kluber, who he 100% outpitched. He's 0-2. Uh, four and two-thirds innings for him, two hits, two earned runs. The Braves are now 8-10. The Yankees fall to 6-11. and Atlanta is off today, and they start a series at home against the Diamondbacks on Friday. The Yankees start a series against the Indians today, calling back up Domingo Herman from the alternative site to make a start. And he will take on uh, Aaron Savalli, who uh, this entire Cleveland pitching staff has been pitching very well. So it should be interesting to see how the Yankees uh, offense, which has been very bad, uh, fares this weekend against a very good pitching staff. Oh, absolutely. And it's been interesting. Ian Anderson has performed incredibly well against the Yankees. Yeah. If you recall, was that a no-hitter or a perfect game or just shutout? I can't remember what it was. It was definitely a shutout at the very least. His second start was against the Yankees. 
his yeah. first career start was, was against it his first it was his yeah. first okay yeah yeah that was the game where he went into the seventh inning at least i'm not sure if he gave up hit or walk but i know for a fact it was a zero in the runs column until luke voigt took him yard to right field but other than that he was at, other than that one pitch he was absolutely flawless that day but brandon who's his who's his comp today you've given comps for every other starter <laughs> uh yeah that's right uh let's see who's a good right you know what because he only had four strikeouts i'm going to give him the greg maddox comparison today he's a look at he's a brave lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. First of all, uh, second of all, the Yankees had some of the weakest contact over the last few games that I've ever seen from a major league offense. And watching Greg, Greg Maddox pitch, that's, that's what he did. He induced very weak contact. Ian Anderson was cruising tonight. Uh, he really kept his pitch count down. Awesome start from him. Uh, not an awesome performance from the Bronx Bombers. All right, from disappointment to more disappointment, we got the Blue Jays and the Red Sox. Garrett Richards, who has been bad news this season, uh, had control issues all day. He allowed four earned runs on six walks and contributed an error in all of that, which was did end up becoming costly. RBIs from Rafael Devers, Kike Hernandez, and a long ball from Xander Bogarts, his second on the year and in the series got the Sox to a one-run deficit. Then they brought in Josh Taylor rather than Adam Adovino, who was also up in the pen. Uh, he allowed two more runs in the ninth, so the Red Sox could lose 6-3. to three. Give the win to Ryan Barucki, lost to Garrett Richards, and the save to Anthony Castro, a one-batter save as he came in to face J.D. Martinez. Now, Brandon, I know it was an interesting thought process I had in my head because I was thinking – with the way they looked in that eighth inning, they looked like they could come back in this game, especially down only one run. They really started to kind of heat it up late. And so I was like, okay, great. Otto's up, but hasn't he pitched like the last three days? And so the logical part of my brain was saying, give him the night off, give it to Josh Taylor. I kind of, The logic part of my brain also kind of forgot who Josh Taylor was. Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't know what else I was expecting. I don't know why I was expecting a shutdown ninth inning from him. But, yeah, so the Red Sox will start their series against the Mariners today. I will be in attendance. This will be my last game for the foreseeable future. So hopefully it's a win, but at least I hope it's a fun game. Now, was uh, Hirokazu Sawamura, had he already pitched in the game uh, at this no, point? No, I can't recall. Because I was going to say, you guys signed him to so you would have more more flexibility for that eighth inning role or ninth inning role, I guess. Uh, I don't know. Oh, precisely. I mean, yeah, he he has been absolutely fantastic. Yes, he had. He went an inning and a third okay. right after Richards. 
but no, he's been, he's been fantastic. The top five guys in our bullpen have been absolutely unstoppable. So it's just a matter of phasing through and figuring out what other guys are realistic top options for them. But I certainly cannot complain with Barnes, Adovino, Sawamura, Whitlock, all of those guys. I'm forgetting somebody who will come to me at some point in time. But they've all been pitching great. You also have to think about the fact that Ryan Brazier should be back sooner rather than later for the Sox. So we'll see how that goes. Let's wrap it up with uh, two games here that I'll take. The Mets and the Cubs to start it off. The Cubs offense was firing on all cylinders tonight, scoring 16 runs in a route of the Mets. A Javier Baez grand slam was the only home run the Cubs hit, but they picked up 13 base hits in the win. Other offensive contributions came from Matt uh, Duffy, who went three for four with three RBIs, and uh, David Bodie, who was two for four with four RBIs. Francisco Lindor hit his first home run as a Met in the loss. You can credit the win to Alec Mills, who goes three innings out of, out of the, the bullpen for the Cubs, allowing one hit. He's 1-0 on the year now. The loss goes to Mets starter uh, David Peterson, coming off a really good start. He is now 1-2 and two after he had a rough start today. Three and a third, allowing four hits and three earned runs. The Cubs improved to eight and nine. The Mets fall to seven and six. These two meet again today with Joey Lucchese taking on Trevor Williams. And then for the Orioles and the Marlins, it was a scoreless first four innings until the bottom of the fifth when the Marlins jumped on the board with three runs, two from a Jesus Aguilar double and one on an Adam Duvall single gave the Marlins a 3-0 lead and that would be your final score. Give the win to Trevor Rogers, who's now two and one on the year. He goes seven innings, allowing four hits, no earned runs, and striking out eight. The loss goes to Bruce Zimmerman, who's now one and two on the year. He goes four and two thirds, allowing six hits, three earned runs. The save goes to Yimmy Garcia, who I talked about on the PPP a couple of days ago, or for the PPP a couple of days ago, excuse me. Uh, he picks up his fourth save of the year. He now has a 0.87 ERA over 10 in a third innings pitched this year. The Marlins are now eight and nine. The Orioles are eight and 10. Miami travels to San Francisco today. Uh, I mentioned that starting pitcher matchup earlier on. And the Orioles have the day off. They'll, they'll be back in, in Baltimore Friday to host the red hot Oakland A's. All right, I believe it is time for the best part of every day, the PPP, particular players people should care about. Our first one, of course, will go to everybody's favorite old guy, Nelson Cruz, two home runs. He's been still tearing the cover off the ball as he always does this year, which is just so exciting to anyone who cares about him because I would pers I personally would love to see him hit that 500 home run threshold. That would be such a great feat for him. And frankly, it seems like he could do it. Of course, 
having the 60 game season really took some wind out of his sails for that only being able to hit 16 in that whole year of age 39 but now in age 40 he's already got uh six home runs this year if i'm correct so i mean he's gonna still keep raking looks like as a dh he's got a couple more years left in him so he can certainly get those 79 home runs that's that are necessary yeah uh with with those two today he now sits i believe it's like 77 or something like that uh but you know he's already at age 40 so depends how many more seasons he has in him but if 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 he keeps hitting the way he does i can i i can't see him sort of just saying i'm done until he has a bad year at least no especially seeing multiple times he has cited directly the fact that the 500 home run threshold means a lot to him. Like he wants to get there now that he's kind of really kind of in the peak of his, uh, in his sort of prime here as he really was such a late bloomer getting, really getting going at age uh, 32 and only getting better from there. So I think he's got a couple of years left. I hope so. It looks like if I'm doing the math correct. Yeah. He's at 427 home runs currently with mm. the six he's hit so far this year. So, or no, 423, my bad. Um, yeah, so props to him. My second guy is Xander Bogarts, of course, our Hall of Fame candidate for the Boston Red Sox, has had a really solid year. He's contributing everything he can in that lineup, but the power just hasn't really fully clicked in the home run power, of course. It did. It has this series against Toronto. He's got two home runs in the last two days. The other guy I want to talk about uh, is Nelson Cruz's teammate. Uh, actually, hits right in front of him in the lineup, and that is Josh Donaldson. Uh, he's only played six games so far. So far this year, he he just came off the IL, and. Uh, He's 10 for 18, which is, is good for not only a 556 a batting average, but a 1.378 OPS. Today, in that in that loss that the Twins suffered, uh, Josh, Josh Donaldson went 4 for 6 with two RBIs, including a home run, and then he scored three runs also. Uh, yeah, when you put... Uh, both uh, Josh, Josh Donaldson, Nelson Cruz, Byron Buxton. When that's your two, three, four in your lineup, that is just, it's just so scary. Mm, absolutely. Let's now take a look at some of the injuries across the league. We have compiled oh, some. Oh, can we do the leaderboards? First? Oh, yeah, I forgot about those. Bye, bad. Brandon's leaderboards. Let's do the leaderboards real quick, and then we will hop into the injury uh, update. As for, for war, uh, for hitters through the, the, the numbers through today's game, we now have a tie for first place between Ronald Acuna Jr. and Mike Trout. They both sit at 1.6 war. In third place is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He sits at 1.3 war. As for war for pitchers, we also have a tie for first place, and that's between Tyler Glass now and Corbin Burns. 
They both sit at 1.4. In third place is Garrett Cole with 1.3 war. And then as for war with relief pitchers, uh, it is Matt Barnes in first place. He has 0.5. And then I wanted to do triples because Chris Owings has three triples so far for Colorado uh, already in this young season, having played less than 20 games. So, uh, yeah. Pretty cool. But LJ, uh, let's move on to the injuries. Yeah. So, of course, now we've picked out and put together some reports on the most important players that are currently on the injured list, how they're doing, what it's looking like for them to come back. So let's get ahead on into it. Brandon, would you like to lead off or should I? Uh, you actually, I'll take it so that way I can get the one guy that uh we have. Or actually, no. Why don't Why don't I take it and you can just double up? That'll work out better. All right. Um, perfect. Yeah. So Cattell Marte, um, Marte went on the injured list on April eighth with a strained right hamstring. Brandon, he has yet to resume baseball activities. This is a guy that looked at the beginning to be a late April return from the injured list. That's got to look a little, to be a little bit in jeopardy now, because I mean, you just think about the overall progression that one goes through on its way back from these types of injuries where you're basically sat down for a week or so. Then you start to get that bat in your hand, get the glove, start doing some minor fielding, some minor activities. He's done none of that. You have to have that build up before you're just going to hop back in the lineup. So that's certainly not a sign, a good sign for a Arizona team that could use a hot start to the year to kind of coast them to a decent record through the heart of the season. Yeah, the the hamstring is always a strange one because you never really know how long it's going to take for a guy to be 100% healthy. I mean, this could be something that even once you come back, could uh, linger throughout the year. So it's just something that you have to take very, very carefully. And of course, when it involves, you know, you having to actually run and see how far you can stretch that out, uh, you know, it is bound to take longer than expected sometimes. So you're absolutely right. Uh, Arizona could use Cattell Marte back, uh, they're currently sitting at eight and 10, uh, fourth in the NL West, and they could really use a bat uh, like him to come back. But um, let's move on to the second guy, and that's Mike Soroka. He could potentially re enter the rotation by the end of April as he had Achilles surgery. Uh, was it at, at the end of 2020 or like September 2020? It was September 2020 because they, they didn't give him much time because, yeah, that ha- that injury happened like early August, if I'm correct. Like it was his second or third start of the year, and he had that happen. And, yeah, I would have to think it was early September. Let me actually look at that. Hmm. But uh, – Okay, I have it right here. So he suffered the Achilles. Uh, that was at the beginning of August. Okay. So, yeah. So yeah, that that does put him on track to re-enter the rotation. And uh, LJ, let me tell you that the Braves could certainly use another guy in that rotation. Yes, Ian Anderson pitched well tonight, 
But uh, as of right now, the, the, the back end of this rotation consists of Huascar and Noah, Drew Smiley, and Bryce Wilson. Uh, they could certainly use Soroka back as we've seen how good of an arm he can be. Yeah, at Mike Soroka's best, he could be the best pitcher on this team for another year or two. Of course, that title will eventually go to Ian Anderson. He's still too young to be asked to carry the full load of a team, so of, of being the team's ace. So if you're able to get this guy back, if you're able to peg him and get just another quality starter on this team, then you're going to have to use less, quote-unquote, big league starters where like it's a guy that's not gonna like move the needle but he can go out there and he can give you five without making a complete fool of himself so like those guys like uh smiley aren't gonna be as necessary for this team down the line now another guy returning from injury actually yeah i forgot to mention this is it normal for achilles injuries and achilles surgery to uh be this quick a turnaround I mean, it's that's a, like a if he had the surgery in early August, that's a good eight months, isn't it? Uh, September, October, November, December, January, February, March. That's seven months. That's seven full months right there. So through the end of April would be about almost eight full months. I mean, yeah, but like I don't know. Maybe I'm just thinking about it. Of course, it's a very uncommon injury in baseball, but or particularly like pitching and stuff. But it's very, it's quite common in basketball, and I can't remember an instance where a guy has uh, torn his Achilles and come back within the same full 365-day span. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, that's a lot more different movements that you're putting on the ankle joint in basketball, but I was just surprised that somebody was able to come back that early. All right, next up, we got Chris Sale, a name we haven't really talked about in a long time. He's expected to throw off a mound soon after having Tommy John surgery last spring. Now, Brandon, there was a lot of pessimism surrounding Chris Sale coming out of spring training as people really had no clue where he would be in his recovery process. It felt like he was a little behind what they'd initially said with that June target date that they were very optimistically going for. A lot of people were pegging him for August, late July at best. But if he's going to a mound already, that puts that June return date firmly back into view. He could could certainly, as long as things go well, end up back in this rotation in June, which would provide great life to this Red Sox team right before you you head into the true summer. Now, how much do you think that his return date is dependent on how how good the team is at that current moment? Um I don't know because we haven't see, we haven't seen somebody like do something like this. I mean, Nathan Evaldi having elbow surgery is like the season's changing. So Everyone was pretty much expected to know what the turnaround was with with that. He ended up coming back and doing bullpen work at the end of that season in 2019. But we have yet to see in recent memory, especially with this um, 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more group in the front office, how they're going to handle such a big investment coming back from such a major surgery. So, I mean, if you're ever, if you're ever even considering bringing a guy back in June, then it's certainly not going to be the latter end of the return date of being in August. Like those are too, too drastic a thing. So at, at minimum, he would probably, if he was thought to be ready for June in a couple of weeks, he'd be at minimum coming in sometime in July. There's not enough of a difference to me to bring him out there for a record wise. Like if the team's doing good, you're not going to just rush him out or if the team's faltering a little bit, but are still in a winnable position, you're not going to rush him back to give you life in June when you could wait till July and be in a relatively similar position. You're not going to be out of it if you wait too long with this as long as things don't go completely sideways with his recovery another interesting thing i heard the other day brandon was about um the whole tommy john of course comes after the name of the first guy who had the surgery to repair everything in there and keep a repair his um baseball career really keep it going but he very it very seriously could have ended up being the Sandy Koufax surgery from several years before. I guess the same doctors that had been really working on that process from everything I've heard, I can't remember where I pulled this from, but from everything I heard, the same doctors that worked on the process with Tommy John had also looked into it, into similar stuff with Sandy Koufax to save him. At that point, it could only become theoretical but I mean, that just goes to show how far we came so quickly with modern science in the late 20th century. Yeah, that's uh, very interesting to me. I I had uh, never heard about that, but I think Tommy John, um, he undergoes that surgery, I want to say in 1975 and Sandy Koufax, Let's see. When did he retire? He retired in after the nineteen sixty six season. So, uh, yeah. So that legitimately, if he could have been the first one to have Tommy John or Sandy Koufax surgery, um, you're seeing more years, more length out of Sandy Koufax, who's already was had already had such a great career that who knows what we would have seen from him if he'd gotten another three or four years. I mean, this is a clear, no doubt, Hall of Fame pitcher 
with those Dodgers. I I would have loved to see what the what if there. I think every I I think that one of the the biggest uh, baseball what ifs is what if uh, Sandy Koufax didn't retire at age thirty. You know what if he kept going because he 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 goes out winning three out of four Cy Youngs two in a row. Uh, he had won an MVP in there and was easily the 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 best pitcher in the league by far at the time that he retired. He, I mean, he had two 10 more seasons in his final four years. That's all you need to know. Yeah, I just, he is, he is fantastic. Gone from the game too soon. Brandon, we should add this to our list for things to do in MLB daily plays this summer as we start to do more and more out, out of the park baseball simulations, building things. We could certainly go back and take a little look at that see how things go for them over the years for Sandy Koufax over the next cut room his remaining seasons if we did it right um the another announcement for that the stream this week that I will be doing on Friday is not going to be on Thursday it'll be on Friday now because I completely forgot I was going to this game until after I had decided settled on Thursday streams so We'll figure that out. Of course, this is just us testing to see what works so far, but we're looking to do a lot of content this summer and have a lot of fun with you guys in the height of baseball season. Absolutely. Well, let's keep it going here with the injuries. Uh, I'm going to take two, but uh, at least for this, for this first one, we can talk about a little bit, and that's Fran Bergaldez. Uh, he has had season-ending surgery recommended for his fractured left ring finger he will seek a second option uh yeah I I I remember that this injury happened just a couple days prior to opening day and uh he has still not made a start yet but um if he is unable to return this is a huge blow to Houston who could really use a a a guy like him in there because they have such such uh, youth already at their starting pitching rotation or at the starting pitching position. Oh yeah. I mean, Framber Valdez would be a big um, shot in the arm for this team. If they could have gotten him back in there, of course, it was one of those things where the way it was being talked about already screamed this coming because they were kind of waiting it out to see how things went, but no one seemed really confident. Brandon, what do you think about those situations, even if you are a winning team? Because I've just found, like, when you have a good core of players, you're not going to be – this isn't going to be your one-make-or-break season. You don't have to make sure this guy comes back. You're better off just taking the safest option in, on a year like this if you're Houston – especially like, you know, after last year, you lose Springer and you can take some time without the pressure. Like you're not, I don't feel like there's a ton of pressure on, on Houston to succeed right now. So it seems like, of course, I'm not a doctor. We should probably have prefaced this entire injury update with that. I am by no means a doctor of science, medicine, law, anything. Um, so I'm a doctor of good looks though. Um, but yeah, so 
they probably should have just shut him down for the year, maybe even got processes going a little sooner towards this inevitable, seemingly inevitable decision earlier. It would have saved them time, saved them uh, him recovery time going towards spring training and everything. Yeah, uh, I, you know, I'm if I had to guess, I'm going to say that they're going to end up shutting him down and he, he's not going to end up pitching this year. But um, – yeah, you're, you know, you're absolutely right. Uh, Houston, they don't really need to, obviously they would love to contend this year and they certainly have the talent on their roster to, to do so, but they have so much money coming off their books this off season with both Zach Granke and Justin Verlander becoming free agents that uh, not having a year of, of a Framber Valdez on his pre-arbitration contract yeah, it hurts that like yeah, you you don't have to pay him that much, but at the same time, uh, when you have all of this this money coming off and you don't even have a Justin Verlander in there this year either, that uh, I really don't think that it's that big of a deal to them. But it it, it is still a a big blow in the sense that uh, it could hurt his development a little bit. I'm sure that a a finger is a a, a finger injury is not the, the 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 best thing that they could get so uh but it's it's not as as big of a deal as it should be it could hamper their chances to win the AL West though I'll say that yeah but to be fair I mean one pitcher isn't going to change the world this pitching staff has not looked strong everywhere else either with the exception of Zach Greinke the offense has been very rough sometimes. They've got a lot of things to work through. So I'm not sure Framber Valdez would make any solution towards them winning the NL West or AL West even. All right. The second one, uh, LJ specifically put in our show document here, uh, must be Brandon to take this one. So, all right, we have... Tony Rendon. <laughs> Tony! Anthony Rendon. Tony! Tony Rendon. Anthony Tony. Rendon, whatever you want to call him. He recently began hitting off of a tee after his left groin injury. Uh, it is nice to see that he 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 will be making his return to this angels lineup soon uh they have re- in the angels have been using luis rangifo uh over at third and uh they could uh, really use uh anthony rendon and his his power bat uh back yeah no one wants to come back from a groin injury i mean it's just not a comfortable spot to be in and uh, you know I think I think Tony's gonna be good for a big season once he comes back, but it's good to see that they don't seem to be rushing him here. I mean, Tony's gonna be good no matter when you put him in. If you put him in in May, he's gonna be great. If you put him in at the end of April, he's gonna be great. I mean, Tony's just Tony, so you just gotta let him be Tony. You do just have to let him be be Tony. Uh, I am the doctor of good looks, and I'm the doctor of comedy, Brandon. He is the jack of all trades today. Uh, yeah, Anthony Rendon should be back. Uh, 
I'd say if not the end of April, probably within that first first a week of May, if he's already hitting off the tee. All right. Next up, we've got Cody Bellinger. He has been diagnosed with a fracture in his left tibula. There is currently no timetable for his return, according to his manager. Brandon, do you think this is really a story? I mean, it's certainly a story when one of the best players in the game is going to miss significant time. But for the Dodgers, it's barely a story. Yeah, it's it's a barely a story for the Dodgers, but for the We Stand Otani's fantasy baseball team, this could be a big loss if if a Cody Bellinger is, you know, unable to come back. I mean, it is a hairline fracture in that uh, fib- fibula, so I'm not sure uh, exactly when he's coming back, but the the uh, Dodgers said that they're going to be able to activate him, or at least they're, they're going to be allowed to activate him at any point uh, during this week. Uh, as of right now, it looks like that he might be going to the alternate site for maybe a week to just get some at-bats and see how that that uh, leg feels. But uh, no, not a big story for the Dodgers. They're, they keep winning. Uh, and I think that 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 uh, series that they have this weekend against San Diego is going to be another uh, very entertaining few, few days of baseball for them. Yeah, I think the Dodgers so far are very similar to another Los Angeles team right now, and that's the Lakers in the fact that both are very postseason focused. I mean, they've they've proven that their rosters are plenty good enough to make it to the postseason and be a a competitor. They don't have to prove anything in the regular season. Both of those teams actually have gotten significantly better since winning their championships last year. So when you have stars go out like Cody Bellinger, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, you can let them take their time. This team isn't going to miss the playoffs without them. And they're going to have to beat the same, same tough competition regardless of their seed so let them come back when they are comfortable when they're healthy let Bellinger take his time there is no rush for them right now LJ we talked a little bit about uh, this one yesterday mm-hmm. Christian Yelich recently added to the injured list for his back tightness uh yeah for a a Brewers team that just did it was a sweep against the Padres, right? They, yeah, they get all three games against the Padres. And while their offense hasn't looked the best, they've gotten great pitching from both Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and then the rest of the guys in that awesome bullpen that uh, Christian Gellich being out really hasn't affected them, but they could use a, a, a bit of a spark offensively. And he certainly is the man to, to bring them back that, uh, he was le- legitimately one of the best players in the league in 2018 and 2019. And we just saw such a regression in 2020 that you, you have to imagine that he's going to start to be getting somewhat back to where he was. I mean, he's, he's already at a 132 OPS plus this season uh, prior to getting hurt. I really worry about this guy right now. I mean, you think about it, 
there were quite a few incredible players that had terrible seasons last year, be it just the natural course of 60 games, the fact that there was only 60 games and that getting in guys' heads, all of the above, that really screwed with some incredible talents that have always been able to show it over 162 games. I have to worry that it's going to hurt Christian Yelich's reputation to be having such injury issues right now when he really needed to get momentum early in the season to, again, prove he's back. You look at what J.D. Martinez is doing. He already looks just like he did in 2018, 2017, even 2019. And like there doesn't seem – it isn't like he's getting lucky hits. He's doing everything right up at the plate with that approach. So I think I would have liked to see something similar from Christian Yelich, a little bit of a, hey, hey, I'm back in his production. But if you're going to be sidelined from now, it's five games, I believe he's missed the last five, just got put on the IL rather recently. He's only played like eight games this year. So I just have to worry that this is going to kind of skew the way his May turns out. And if the May turns out, to be skewed, what does that do to the rest of the season, you know? Yeah, and it's always tough, especially for a guy like him who did have uh, such a fall from grace in 2020 to then to then get hurt in 2021, where I'm sure all he was thinking about was trying to bounce back, and, 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 and getting hurt certainly uh, does not help that whatsoever. All right. Moving on, and we've got a Yankee here, Brandon. Luke Voigt, who has been hobbled up, sidelined for several weeks now, is now back to swinging a bat. Of course, we were talking earlier about, you know, the natural progression from some of these muscle injuries where you really just want to see them progress slowly before you put them out running full speed, swinging at 90-plus mile-an-hour pitches. So – to be at this spot is really good progress for a team team in an offense that really needs life. Yeah. Uh, Luke Voigt, his bat has been missed in this, in this uh, Yankees lineup. Very bad. Uh, he underwent that surgery in March to, it was a partial, I think it was his meniscus. I'm pretty sure he partially tore his, meniscus in his left knee uh that's why he's been on the il seeing him being able to swing a bat is uh really good uh he also took a ground balls which is a a very positive sign we could certainly use him in the field too is uh the the current first base rotation for the yankees has been jay bruce who then retired and now dj and Mike Ford. So we're in for quite the treat there. But yeah, Yankees could really use Luke Voigt back and uh, should be back same as uh, a guy like Anthony Rendon, uh, whether it's this last week of April or first week of May. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. 
Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Yeah, I still cannot believe that the Yankees were so bad that they pushed Jay Bruce into retirement. Can you believe it? Do you believe it, folks? No. I still don't. All right. This next one, uh, Key Brian Hayes, of course, the stud young uh, star, excuse me, for the Pittsburgh Pirates. He may go to the Pirates training site as soon as this week. LJ, this is one that they can certainly take slow because the, the Pirates know that they're not going to be anywhere near competitive this year. And they're going to do anything that they can to make sure that he's 100% when, when he comes back uh, for them. Yeah, there's absolutely no reason to rush this, especially when you're eight and nine right now. I mean, for the Pirates, they're playing out of their minds to get to an eight and nine record so far. So, yeah, they've got no expectations other than for Key Brian Hayes to improve this year whether he's doing it at the alternate site while recovering from an injury or if he's doing it in a major league lineup, that's not going to be the biggest deal as long as you're seeing some form of growth out of the guy. Next up, we got Johnny Cueto. Uh, He has a strained lat in his throwing shoulder. Now, Brandon, this has been clearly the best starter on that Giants team that has been able to keep surprising pace with the Padres and with the Giants. So having him get taken out of this Giants rotation for any, any length of time, even if it's just one or two starts is going to have a significant impact on what they're doing on the field. I mean, he's, he's been playing like one of the top 10 pitchers in the national league at very least, if not top five in that league. Yeah, uh, he throws uh, – he's had quite a few uh, really good starts this year. Already gone 20 innings and at a 1.8 ERA. But, you know, the, the, the rest of this giant starting rotation really isn't terrible this year. Guys like a Kevin Gosman, who's, he's at a 2.45 ERA. Anthony DeSclafani is pitching really well. He's at a 1.06 ERA. So – yeah, um, not having a Cueto is big because that's, you know, he's been such an uh, impact guy for them the last couple of years. I mean, not in 2019 and 2020, but in the years prior to that, Cueto was very good. And it's nice to see, it was nice to see him at the start of this year uh, come out and look like a vintage Johnny Cueto. So, uh, yeah, obviously the timetable on, on this one is not uh, the, the clearest, but uh, we'll have to see how the Giants pitch now without him. Uh, see if these other guys can can uh, keep it up, or if uh, him not being there is going to be uh, a big factor. I just want to see him work, Brandon. It absolutely fascinates me 
to watch him pitch. I look forward to any chance I get to see a Johnny Cueto start. So here's to Johnny Cueto getting back soon. All right, last couple here. We got Chris Archer, who's on the 10-day IL to recover from a forearm strain, which he obtained during uh, his start against the Yankees. Uh, Chris Archer, a guy that the Rays go out and sign this offseason to try to replace what they lost in trading away uh, Blake Snell and not re-signing Charlie Morton. LJ and I were both pretty hesitant uh, to like this signing, but uh, I mean, in a race pitching staff that has been absolutely destroyed by injuries this this year, and we're going to talk about that with Andrea from Scout Girl Report uh, this this weekend. But they they've already had so many pitchers go out uh, for injuries that you just hate to see another guy uh, go down. And of course, being Chris Archer. Yeah, no, I mean, it was just one of those things where he was not, wasn't looking half bad to start that game, too. If you can get Chris Archer to look more like the Chris Archer that left Tampa than the one that came back, that's a very valuable resource for that team. While it's not the best option they could have had if they wanted to spend the money, it's a fine option. So, for their sake, they really need him to come back 100% sooner rather than later. Again, with how much they already use their bullpen, taking a guy out that you know is going to be able to give you a – should be able to give you at least four innings on two times through the lineup. Like there's a lot of guys that aren't going to be able to give you that four or five innings on two times through. So – I really, really hope that for their sake that they're not going to run through their bullpen after this shortened season by the end of June. Like that could easily happen with how much, with how high usage they already are and to have so many high level guys either not pan out or not be there because of injury. Next up, we've got George Springer, of course, one of the biggest free agents to be on the market. Brandon, he still has not been a Blue Jay yet. He still has not started a regular season game, if I'm correct, in a Blue Jays uniform after he had a strained oblique in spring training that he's now and now has had uh, tightness in his right quadricep. It has just been a rough affair for George Springer coming into this 2021 season where the Blue Jays really wanted to start strong. Yeah, this is a tough one and honestly makes me pretty uneasy about the way that the, the Blue Jays look. They're at eight and 10 to start this year. Of course, they, they go out and they make some, some of big moves this off season. They signed Marcus Semien uh, to an $18 million contract over one year. He is uh, he has an OPS just under 600, so that's not going to cut it for 18 million dollars. They go out and they sign Kirby Yates to to be their closer. He gets hurt prior to the start of the year, and he's out for the entire year. And then they're they're a big signing. They they go and land George Springer for six years, 150 million dollars, and he's yet to play a game. Uh, LJ, I know that you did, uh, had that chat with, with Graham uh, about Toronto a couple of days ago, but uh, 
should should we be con concerned about the the Blue Jays here? I mean, still no George Springer makes me pretty nervous. I think they should be nervous. All right, I don't think they. Should, I don't think nervous is the correct word. Frustrated, yes, because this is the one thing you really wanted to see all this time was to get one of these top guys that's going to lead you to the next level into that Blue Jays uniform. However, I wouldn't even say nervous is the right time because this is really the first year. I'm considering this year one of competition. As long as you can get meaningful reps in a full season with your young stars, you're going to be able to build as good a team as this one next year, I think, for them, especially if they're still having the willingness to spend money that they were this year. If it were up to them, they would have signed a couple other guys too. So I think this team still is making progress towards being a top dog, even though we already assumed that they were. They still have a lot of room where they can grow. So from Graham's perspective, as I recall it, it was really so much more about being being there. I mean, as much as it was frustrating, they understand there's a lot of injuries. These things happen. And they're, it's a, they're in a good spot because they don't have that pressure yet of this is the last couple of years of our window. We have to capitalize on this now. I mean, right now, frankly, I think while it shouldn't be, um, Kevin Biggio's start is more of an issue for them than it, than it is George Springer not being there. But sooner rather than later, the fans will get frustrated and they that could end up really hurting George Springer's, I wouldn't, would you call it legacy in Canada or at yeah. least his fan relation? Like you see this so many times where if a guy doesn't start off on the exactly right foot, it doesn't matter what he does there. If he says something that's like kind of out of line in his new market, then you're going to get so much more pushback than you ever would if you just stayed in your other team. Because it's the, those, those first couple of months are so influential on the, the city and the fan base's recollection and impression of you that th they really does matter. So, if, so he could be easily branded as the guy who's always hurt, even if he doesn't really ever have other significant injuries in the next two, three years that's going to be the shtick for him going forward for a couple of years if he is unable to bounce back from this bug right away. Let's wrap this up with two guys from the Washington Nationals. Juan Soto, uh, is he now on the IL with a left shoulder strain? Yes. And then Steven Strasburg with right shoulder inflammation. LJ, this is two of the, the biggest stars on the the Nats who now sit in last in the NL East at seven and nine. Uh how nervous does does this make you without these two? Soto, I feel like you can't get nervous. You you shouldn't get nervous about injuries this early in the season. If your team is only missing like one semi-key guy and looks like they can't hit it off a little league pitcher. Like in, the Yankees. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Even in some of the most hitter-friendly uh, 
ballpark division there is. I guess what I'm trying to say is injuries wouldn't matter to me until say June. Like that's when I would get started to get worried because there's so much time to make up that ground that you might be losing from a top guy like this. However, Steven Strasburg worries me a little bit more just because he's getting a little bit up there in age has always been kind of an, had his injury issues. So if he's battling this all year, it's going to become so much harder to make up ground. I think having strong pitching makes such a difference because it can make up for those times where the offense isn't hundred percent on point or faces another good pitcher. So having a potential, um, bounce back here from Patrick Corbin, having Max Scherzer be Max Scherzer, having Steven Strasburg be another elite arm just would help them make up any round that they miss from having guys like Soto on the IL. It's going to make that all, all more easy. But if Strasburg has these types of issues recurring early in the season, then that will set them up worse off than Soto. Yeah. Uh... Strasburg's an interesting case because you you look at his 2019 season, which was probably the the second best year in his career other than 2017. And in 2019, he leads the NL in innings pitched with 209, and you you know goes and wins World Series MVP. You know, no 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 big deal. Strikes out 251 hitters. That's okay. In in 2020. He's only able to throw five innings uh, and has to deal with injuries for the rest of that year. And now he's only gotten 10 innings so far in uh, this year, and he's already hit the IL. You know, I, I hate to make an assumption like this early because this is really the only time other than when he had Tommy John at the start of his career there where he's missed sig- significant time. Uh, I hope that injuries don't start to become a thing for Steven Strasburg anymore, but it just makes me, it makes me pretty nervous to see now two years in a row, he hasn't even gotten more than 10 innings into a season without, without getting hurt. No. And you know, again, what that brings about, that's going to bring about the front office and the manager controlling his outings controlling his pitches more, controlling his innings, his overall workload if he's not staying out there, which will only further take away his influence on the field. So it's just a frustrating case. It's a case that you've seen before with Steven Strasburg, and I hope isn't a thing again. If anyone's looking for something to watch also, I will post this to the Twitter once we get off. Baseball, uh, Foolish Baseball did a baseball bits on Steven Strasburg. That was absolutely fantastic. Covered some of these very similar themes. So definitely give that a read or not read a watch. However, Juan Soto, I think there's another angle to this that should be looked at too. And that's him cementing himself among the top players. I mean, he certainly is a top player in my opinion, but he has yet to put together a season where he has been a front runner for the MVP. I mean, he missed he missed some time to start last season with COVID, comes back and absolutely kills it and still can't break into that real top talk. It was all Machado, Betts, Freeman. And now he's missing 
time again earlier this year. I'm certainly not calling him injury prone. I'm just saying it's been very inopportune times to be missing games. It's been all the times where he needs he needed to assert himself atop the league, and now it's being that thunder is being stolen by guys like Acuna. Yeah, uh, I agree. Look, Soto, we we both thought. I I mean, I thought that it was going to be. I mean, I I picked Ronald Acuna, but you picked Juan Soto to be your to be your MVP. I had a really tough time picking against him, and. Look, it's crazy the expectations I think they were putting on him because this is only his age 22 season, and we're saying, oh, he hasn't been a front runner for MVP yet. <laughs> it's like, come on. <laughs> He's in the National League where you have guys like Cody Bellinger and Christian Yelich and Freddie Freeman and Corbin Burns. Corbin, Bur- <laughs> Corbin Burns of Mookie Betts. Just so many guys who have who could win MVP over him, Ronald Acuna, Fernando Tatis, Manny Machado, just so many guys that are in there. They're like, you know, it is pretty hard to be the front runner for MVP at age 23, but Soto is so good that we almost expect him to, to do that. So I, I do see exactly what you mean. It's just like, wow, like, is, is this guy that good that we are really holding him to this standard? And it's like, yeah. Like, I guess we are. Yeah, he, yeah, he is, because he had a 490 on base percentage in 47 games. He had a 218 OPS last season, finished fifth in MVP voting. It's obvious that the only thing that sets him apart is not having played those games he missed because of COVID. That's the only thing that's, that pushes him away from the pack. If he plays that full season – Brandon, how do you not give him that with his numbers? Oh, how no, you happen? absolutely have to. You absolutely that, have you, to. You have there – is, there is no debate on that to me. So it's just – I just really hope that this isn't just rehashing more of the same this year where he's going to get gypped even though he has fantastic numbers. Well, uh, I think that that is a good place to end this episode uh, Oh, also, somebody make a note that I believe that is the first time any, either of, of us have thrown Corbin Burns' name into the MVP race. <laughs> yeah. Uh, mark that down as a historic spot for the season. April 22nd, it is. Uh, early, early in the morning of April 22nd is when we made that prediction. Uh, the hours. But that is going to do it for today's episode of the MLB Daily Podcast. Make sure that you're... Uh, subscribe to us whether it's on apple Podcasts, spotify spreaker anywhere where you can find your podcast we are on there uh make sure you're following uh belly up sports on twitter at belly up sports and at belly up podcast make sure you're following us on twitter at mlb daily pod and then lj and i are at lj underscore vp underscore lafiora and at brandon underscore carom that's going to do it. Uh, have a good night, everyone, and enjoy some baseball on this fine Thursday. Bye, y'all.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.